If you got your Bibles today, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to wrap up this chapter, Matthew chapter 6, today. And we're going to look at uh, what Jesus tells us to do uh, regarding our worry and our anxiety. And so if you've ever dealt with worry or anxiety, this is the message for you, uh, and it's going to be a good one today. We've been in the series called The Red Letters, and in, in this series we call it Red Letters because in most of our Bibles, Jesus is words are written in red letters. In this passage that we're looking at, Matthew's chapter 5 through 7, Matthew chapter 5 through 7 is called the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus' longest recorded message in the Bible. And so this is Jesus' words to us. This is what Jesus tells his followers, you and I, how we should be living, how we should live our lives, how we should operate in his kingdom. And his kingdom is here in his person. And so this is what we're going to look at. And so today we're going to look at this next topic that Jesus covers. But before we look at what he actually says, I want to ask you a question. Are you an anxious person? Are you, a worry, are you a worry wart? Do you worry too much about stuff? Are, are, are you, do you, have you ever done this? Have you ever like driven down the road and like rehearsed conversations that you're gonna have to have in your head? Is that you or does, do I just do that? Or maybe like in the shower, like you're getting ready for work and you're like, you're like, I'm gonna tell them this and then I'm gonna say this and then I'm gonna do this or whatever. Is that just, okay, you guys are nodding so I know I'm not crazy, right? So like you just worry about stuff. Like you worry about what's happening. Do you do, you do this? Do you mentally dwell? sometimes on the worst possible outcome like you're like man what's the worst thing that could happen and then you like you just kind of camp out there and you stay there and you just kind of think through all the worst things that could happen it, it, do, do, are you like this or do you know someone like this don't elbow please don't elbow right this is just part of what it is and here's the thing even before we were living in a global pandemic our culture was already riddled with anxiety. Before we had to worry about like COVID and closures and jobs and markets and all this stuff that's happening, we, we, we were already dealing with anxiety. Liz and I were just talking the other day, there, there's possibility that the school systems are gonna go, have to go back to masks and some of them might have to shut down again because of all the positive cases that are happening. And our takeaway was like how resilient our kids are because like my biggest concern growing up in school was like, did I bring my basketball shoes to school? Like that was my worry. Like, or you know, there's a bully in class or or something like that. That was my worry. I wasn't worried about like catching the plague. Like I just ha didn't have to worry about that. But there's something our kids are having to do. And it's something that's happening. And, and so for us today, in the society, in this culture, in what we're living, anxiety seems like it's everywhere. Anxiety just seems like it's everywhere. It seems like, like there's so many things to make us anxious. And anxiety makes people do crazy things. Worry makes people do crazy things. When the, and some of you guys have heard this story before. When Liz and I first got married, I was 20 years old and Lily was three. And I was riddled with anxiety that I was not going to be able to take care of my new little family that God had given me. I was worried, man. And I would stay up at night and it would give me really bad insomnia. I would stay up really late. And, and on more than one occasion, Liz would tell me at like 2 o'clock in the morning, 2, 2.30 in the morning, she'd be like, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go outside right now and I want you to take a lap, run a lap around our apartment complex because she was trying to get my body so tired that I would go to sleep. 
That's what worry was putting me in. That was the, the place. Have you ever been there? You ever been to a place where it's like affecting your health? It's affecting like your blood pressure and all this stuff? Like this happens to us. This is what happens when we live with worry and anxiety and, and all these things in our, in our, in our, in our bodies. It, it affects us. Have you ever been so worried about something? That someone in your family, like you get home, you're worried, um, you walk in the door and, and your kid or your spouse, they do or say something that's really, really minor and all of a sudden you just unload on them. Have you guys ever done that? Maybe not, just me? Good, you guys are holy. Don't do that, right? <laughs> like, don't do that to people. But, it, but it's just part of what happens. The punishment that, that we gave didn't fit the crime because the reaction really wasn't about what they did or what they said. It was about the, um, me being already emotionally worked up about something that had nothing to do with them. There's a, a, a lyric by the band uh, Radiohead and it says there's, it's a low-flying panic attack. And some of you guys have lived in that before. You've lived in households where that happens all the time. And so, like, what, what, do we, what do we do? How do we respond? How do we deal with our anxiety? What do we do with it? Well, let's see what Jesus has to say to us today. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, he starts out by saying this, therefore I tell you. Now, hold up one second. I want to teach you something about reading your Bible. The, the academic word for how we interpret the Bible, how we understand it, how we apply it, how we understand what it means to us and how we should act upon it, the academic word for this, how we interpret the Bible, is a word called hermeneutics. It's there on your screen. You can write it down or you can just say, that. that's cool, I know this now. There are like university level, postgraduate level classes dedicated just to this because if the Bible is our primary source of instruction, we better be clear on how we understand it. We better understand what it's saying in a very, very clear way. Otherwise, we might get it wrong. And there's some really high-level stuff, like I said, is there's postgraduate courses on this, but there's also some really simple rules when it comes to interpreting the Bible correctly. One of them, for example, is a passage cannot mean something to you that it did not mean to the original people that heard it. That's one of the first, like, rules of it. Like, it can't mean, like, so if, if I'm like, okay, well, this passage in Daniel, you know, really it's talking about cell phones and stuff like, no, I mean, the people in Daniel didn't have cell phones. That's not what it's talking about because it can't mean something to you that it didn't mean to the people that originally heard it. So this is how we interpret the Bible. Another one is if you find a passage that supports your point of view, but the Bible clearly contradict, contradicts your point of view elsewhere, then that passage does not support your point of view, all right? So the, the Bible, the scripture interprets scripture. It, it, it's not gonna contradict itself. So I need to get a better understanding of what it really is saying there so that I can shift my point of view to that. But really, the easy one that I wanna look at today in verse 24 of what Jesus says this is that if at the start of a verse or a passage or whatever, if at the start of the verse, you see the word, therefore. That means that it's there to tie up a point and to, for us to better understand a point. So if we see therefore, we need to look and see what it is there 
therefore, right? We have to go back and see what the therefore is therefore. So Jesus starts here and he says, therefore, I tell you. So thankfully for us today, we know what Jesus had just said because we studied it last week. You were here last week. You were listening last week. So what did Jesus say last week? Let's look at the context of what he's about to say before he says it. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, no man can serve two masters for he will either hate the one and love the other and be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Last week, we looked at what the word Jesus actually used here. Instead of money, he, what he said was mammon. This is translated wealth. We talked about the difference between serving God and relying on him as our source and versus serving wealth and relying on it as our source. And we said that wealth was a t- is a terrible, terrible master. So when Jesus starts his next statement with therefore, this is what he's talking about. Do we serve God? Do we serve money? Do we serve God? Do we, do we follow him? Do we go after him? Do we, do we live our lives to please him and honor him? Or are we just trying to look out for our own wealth and our own just, just getting, getting, getting? So let's go back to Matthew 6, 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory, Solomon was known as the richest man to ever live to these people. Even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these, but... If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall I eat or what shall I drink or what shall I wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. God knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, if we zoom out to the whole thing that Jesus is saying about the Sermon on the Mount, if we, we kind of go back and we recap everything we studied, we recap this whole series, we remember that Jesus is talking about how we should live and function in his kingdom. Once we are saved, once we, we accept the work that he's done in our lives, once the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us, we are now participants, citizens in God's kingdom. We are now his children. We are now serving him. We are now part of the family. And so when we do this like we're, we're following him and this whole sermon on the mount is telling us is Jesus himself saying hey if you're going to be my followers if you're going to be part of my kingdom this is how you should be living 
And so when he talks about loving our enemies, when I don't love my, my enemies, I'm being unfaithful to his kingdom. When I, when I fast and pray, but I'm doing it for own, my own attention and for selfish reasons, I'm being unfaithful to his kingdom. When I think about money as something that sustains me, then I'm being unfaithful. But here, Jesus is talking about how we spend the cares that we have, the emotions that we have, uh, the emotional investment, our, our worry and our anxiety, our cares in life, and, and thinking that if we can't rely on him, if we, if we don't rely on God, then really we're being unfaithful there too. We're being unfaithful there too. And some of you guys might think, great, pa Pastor, I was worried about the conversation that I'm gonna have to have work tomorrow, and now I'm worried about my worry making God angry that I'm worried about the conversation tomorrow. Listen, you need to know this, that God loves you. God loves you and he, he's not angry with you and, and whether it's a physical sin or an emotional with your worry, whatever it is, all God wants you to do is come home. That's all God wants you to do. And so when we're in our sin, we would, Nivern was talking about it earlier, when we're in our sin, listen, God is pursuing us. He, he's loving you. He wants, to love, he wants you to come back. We read the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son went and he sinned against the father. Pretty much he told the father he, that he wished he was dead. Go ahead and give me my inheritance now. Go ahead and give it to me now because I'm going to go spend it and do whatever I want. That's what the prodigal son did in Luke. So when we read that story, that's what he did. And what was the father doing? When the son was coming home, it said when he was far down the road, the father saw him, which means the father was out looking for him. The father was hoping that he would come home. He wasn't mad. And so when we do these things and when we, when we get caught up in worry, when we get caught up in maybe not loving our enemies right or not doing the right things or maybe we do things for our own attention, when we get caught up in these things in life, listen, God's not mad at you. He just wants you to come home. He's saying you're living life. You're spending your life, your emotions, your, 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 your energy. You're, you're spending your life on the wrong things. Come home. Worry is wandering away from God as our source. When we worry, we're wandering away from God as our source. Because if God has got me, if I believe that God has got me, if I believe that God has, has got that conversation at work, if I believe that God has got my children, if I believe that God has got my, my finances, if I believe these things, then when I worry about them, I am wandering away from God as our source. I'm worried that I've got to figure it out. I'm worried that I've got I've to make more. I'm worried that this. And, and, and I'm, I'm wandering from God as my source. Worry is wandering. If we think that mammon is our source, wealth and money, then, then the wealthy and comfortable among us are gonna concentrate on our own success and retaining what we have. The poor among us and the uncomfortable among us are really just gonna focus on what we don't have and what we lack. And so really it's, it's all about whatever that thing is and that thing is gonna be my source, whether it's money or a job or whatever it is. So when I worry about something, when I worry that I'm gonna lose what I have or that I worry that I'm not gonna have enough, I'm wandering away from God as my source. But Jesus is saying that if we serve God and if we follow him and if we, we love him, then the, the, a loving father who knows exactly what we need, even more than we do, he knows exactly what he, we need. He, and, and really he has the means for, to provide it as well. If we do all this, God knows exactly what we need. He has the means to provide it and we have no reason to be anxious. We don't have any reason to be anxious because God will come through. Numbers chapter 23 verse 19 says this, but 
God is not man that he should lie or son of man that he should change his mind has he said and has has he said and will he not do it or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it there's an old gospel hymn uh, by an artist named fred hammond and he says god will do what he says he will do he will stand on his word he will come through And so for us, we have to just say, you know what, God, you said you would provide for me. You said that you would make a way. You said that you would, you would, uh, whenever I needed something, you would be there. You said that, that I would have daily bread, that when I ask you for it, you would provide it. And you said those things, so I'm going to trust you in that. And so if I'm worried, if I'm worried, if I'm concerned, if I'm doing all these things in my own emotions and on my own mind, then I'm wandering from that. And so what, just like the same thing that happens when we get caught in sin, when we get caught in temptation, we need to let the Holy Spirit guide us into truth, is what the Bible says. The Holy Spirit guides us into truth. And so when you get, just like, let's say you're at work, something happens, you, something happens, it was out of your control, and the, the boss comes to you and he's like, he's like, what happened here? And you have a temptation to lie, right? You're, you have a temptation to blame it on somebody else or whatever, you know it was your fault, but you, you couldn't control it, it just happened. And so what, what do you do? What do you do? The Holy Spirit, have you ever got, have, have, have this happen to you? The Holy Spirit is like, hey, I know you could say the easy, the easy thing here and try to get out of this, but you really need to own it. Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me. He guides you away from this, okay, I'm not supposed to be doing this. I'm supposed to be doing the righteous thing. I'm supposed to be doing the right thing. And so the Holy Spirit will guide you to where you need to be. When you're faced with worry and anxiety, the, you can ask the Holy Spirit. You can be like, man, just check inside your head. Like as soon as, as, soon as the worry comes in, as soon as that happens in your head, say, Holy Spirit, can you guide me to trusting God as my source? Can you guide me into that? And then give your emotions, give that to the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit lead you back from wandering in worry. So if you're doing that today, you can come back home by trusting that the Father has got you. Before I wrap up today, I wanna, the, the band's gonna come back up. We're gonna do one more song. Go ahead, guys, come on, come on back. But I wanna just wrap up with a couple of points here. Jesus' instruction for us today is to apply this to our lives in a very simple and direct way. In verse 33, he says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And so if I'm worried about, man, I've got, I gotta get these clothes, I gotta get this, I gotta get that, I gotta, gotta pay these bills, I gotta do that, and it's all on me to do, then really I'm seeking those things out and those things, those things are gonna be what sustains me. But Jesus says, listen, if I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to me. All these things are, God's gonna take care of everything. Now, God's gonna give you wisdom. God's going to give you wisdom. There, there's a story that that <laughs> that a financial analyst uh, or financial coach. Yeah, I heard him say it's like this couple made uh, got a $500 a month bonus or, or a $500 a month raise. That's awesome. $500 a month. Who wouldn't want that? That's cool, right? But then they went and got a car that cost them $600 a month. So guess what? Not only do you no longer have your raise, you are $100 less a month in doing that, right? And so some of us, we live like that. 
Some of us, we live like, well, I'm just going to steal from tomorrow and just spend it today. That's what we do. And so when we're saying seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added, I can't just be like, well, I prayed, I served, I give, and I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. And God's going to take care of the $600 car that I can't afford. Like, that's not what he's saying here. Like you still have to practically do the right things and do all these things. But if I orient my life in such a way to where God is first, then God promises to take care of my needs. Understanding the difference between wants and needs, God promises to take care of my needs. Jesus wants his followers to seek God's kingdom and righteousness as a priority, not things that we would like to have or even things that we need. First here, when he says seek first, it doesn't necessarily mean first in time, but it definitely means first in importance. The most important thing in your life that you are seeking is God's kingdom, God's righteousness for you. Leon Morris, a theologian, says this, the the, the kingdom is not among many competing aims of disciples, but it's that which comes first overall. When I put God and his kingdom first, Jesus promises to take care of my needs, physical needs, emotional needs, mental needs, relational needs. Jesus has got you. You need to hear that today. God has got you. Jesus finishes up verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus finishes his teaching about worry with a statement, which takes his argument to the logical conclusion. If God has got your tomorrows taken care of, then what are you worried about? If God has got you taken care of, what are you worried about? You can trust him. Jesus actually gives us a helpful tool here to deal with our worry. If I trust God to provide for me today, remember, give us this day our daily bread. If I trust God to provide for me today, then I can take the things that I'm concerned about tomorrow and put that worry in tomorrow. I don't have to spend, I don't have to get worried today for what's going to happen tomorrow. I can put that worry in tomorrow. So the statement, we'll worry about that tomorrow. Have you ever said that in your house? We'll worry about that tomorrow. It's not a statement of procrastination in this context. So you procrastinators unite, you're doing good here, right? You, you know, you're okay. We'll worry about tomorrow is not a statement of procrastination. In my house, we joke, we say it this way, we'll burn that bridge when we get there. Like we'll just get, when we get there, we'll worry about it then, right? We can put our worries in tomorrow. It's a statement of trust. God has got me today. He's going to get me tomorrow too. I'm going to, I'm not going to worry about tomorrow today. I'm going to focus on today. What do I have to do today? What do I have to get done? What do I have to, what bills do I have to pay today? What do I have to do today? Because I'm going to do what I need to do today, trust God to take care of me, and then tomorrow will take care of itself. And what happens, and this is what Jesus is saying, this is a useful little tool here. If I trust God for today, this day, and I take the worry that's going to come tomorrow and I put it into tomorrow, then when tomorrow becomes today, I just start it all over again. I'm going to trust God for today. When tomorrow becomes today, I'm going to trust God for that day. When that, the next day, Tuesday becomes today, I'm going to trust God for that day. And I'm going to take the worries that I have. Some of you guys are concerned that a conversation, about a conversation you're going to have to have Thursday. Put that worry in Thursday. And when that happens and Thursday becomes today, trust God that he's got you for that 
day. This is what Jesus is telling us. This is what Jesus is telling us to do. You can then keep moving worry off of today and putting it in tomorrow because Jesus has got that too. Don't be anxious about life, about, about what's going to happen tomorrow, what's this going to happen, what's going to happen with the government, what's happening on TV, what's going to happen with this virus. All these things, we're, we, we're riddled with anxiety because we're worried about things and we need to trust God. Jesus is victorious over, over death. He, he defeated death. What's the worst thing that could happen? What's the absolute worst thing that could happen? You could die. That's like the worst thing that could happen. Like, like a car wreck leaving today. That's the worst thing that could happen. Jesus defeated death. We don't, we don't worry about death like, like, like sinners do. We don't worry. We, we know that there's an eternity. We know that death does not get the final word. It's just a comma in the statement of our eternity. We know that as Christians. And so the absolute worst thing that could happen, the absolute worst thing that could happen, Jesus has already conquered. And so whatever you need, whatever you need in life, whatever you need to, to make it happen, whatever you need, God has got that too. Jesus is victorious over everything, including our worry and our anxieties, and you can trust him. You can trust him.